Thanks so much for tuning in to the Mooney Ponds Baptist Church Podcast. Here we upload our weekly teachings that happen every Sunday at our 10 a.m. service. If we can help you in any way, feel free to reach out to us and check out our website at mpbc.org.au. Today's readings are from the New International Version. Firstly, from the book of Proverbs, chapter 23, 17 to 18. Do not let your heart envy sinners, but always be zealous for the fear of the Lord. There is surely a future for you, and your hope will not be cut off. And then from the book of Psalms. Psalm 73, 1-3, and Psalm uh, and verses 20 to 26. Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold, for I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They are like a dream when one awakes. When you arise, Lord, you will despise them as fantasies. When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you, yet I am always with you. You hold me by your right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterwards, you will take me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. And we all said, Amen. So how are you all this morning? Pretty cool. Sorry, no, I brought the laptop up because I actually find it a little bit easier to read than the phone and juggling all the uh, various applications that I use. I probably should go back to pieces of paper sometime. You may find that, you know, that that's what actually works out easiest. So the topic of today is dealing with envy. And I think that most of us at some point have to deal with envy. We're, at some point, we sit there and we have that, that disturbing feeling of thinking, at the very least, gee, I wish I had that person's life or I had what that person has. You know, I wish I had the confidence of that person, their good looks, their intelligence, their... I don't know, you know, it goes on. And... Um, you know, it's, a, it's an interesting thing because we know it's not an emotion that you particularly want to be indulging in too much. But at the end of the day, imagine where the, our economy would be without envy. How much shopping would people do without envy? What sort of houses would we be living in without envy? They'd be a lot smaller, I think. How many people would have theatre rooms without envy? You know? What sort of computers would we use? Would they even exist? It's a really interesting thing because envy is often a, a motivator of ambition as well. I mean, um, uh, everyone's been very excited this week about watching the Women's World Cup of Soccer. 
Yes? And I think that um, there might be a few Australian players who envy the Poms. Now, that's not something you'll hear very often. Australians envying Poms. But, um, you know, it's, it's an interesting time, isn't it? You always have to think to yourself, well, what is it about envy? Now, the particular scriptures we've gone on here, it, it, it talks about the idea, it starts off with this proverb from Solomon, or allegedly from Solomon or assumedly from Solomon. We, you, know, you don't know for sure that he wrote every one of the proverbs, but it's attributed to him. And he, about, do not let your heart envy sinners, but always be zealous for the fear of the Lord, says the NIV. And, and I, I thought this is a very interesting um, uh, concept right here. Always be zealous for the fear of the Lord. Um, so I thought, oh, I better look up another translation. You know, what is it? Why would you want to be zealous about fear? <laughs> that sounds, sounds a little bit um, strange. But the New American Standard says, do not let your heart envy sinners, but live in the fear of the Lord always. And that sounds like even more fun. Um, so I thought it might be helpful right at the start, um, as we look at these scriptures, to, to look at what the terms that we're describing actually mean, to look at what do the concepts actually mean, what's behind them, and then see how it applies to our lives. And, I mean, it's really, I mean, and I found it quite challenging when I was looking at this and um, preparing for this sermon because it wasn't my natural sort of place, I have to admit. But what I found really challenging was if you look at it, the psalm says everything, that you, the proverb says everything you need, the psalm says everything you need. I could pretty much go straight to fellowship right now and summarise the message as, do not envy the short-term success of the wicked, Instead, live in the fear of the Lord, focus on him, get your strength from him. The success of the wicked will be swept away and you'll be sweet. And that's, there you go, there ends the message, I could just go. And, and if I thought that was going to be helpful, I would. The problem is, all that does is give us the right religious phrase, but it doesn't actually give us anything to do, anything to live in our lives, to apply to our lives. And so I'm going to try and share what it means for me. Um, and uh, hopefully that will help all of us. Now, one of the things that's really interesting about life is that, uh, as Rachel said earlier, the world is pretty messed up. Now, I'm not entirely sure what expectations we have. I mean, if you think about life, and the more that we've discovered about life as we send, you know, satellites out into space and probes and everything else, what have we discovered? We've discovered that, you know, we live on this tiny little rock with a little bit of water and a thin coating of atmosphere that's spinning its way at 100,000 miles an hour through the solar system and even faster through the galaxy in this great big void of nothing. And somehow or other, us little microscopic dots on the face of the planet are attributing meaning to our lives. That's very encouraging, Rodney. Um, so what, are we, what exactly are we expecting? Somehow or other, we've got this life and this quest and something that's inside us that says that we, we want to understand and we have this aspiration for something that comes out of our life and for a standard of living that reflects more than just simply material wealth, but something more. So this is what leads us to the discussion about envy. So what is it? 
Well, the dictionary tells me that it's a feeling of discontent coupled with, a, with desire, usually when you see people having something that you do not have. Okay, that's pretty cool. It's actually slightly distinct from jealousy. And you get onto uh, the, the search engines and they come up with all sorts of interesting things, but I'm going to give you the Rodney interpretation. To me, there is a slight difference between envy and jealousy. Jealousy is a bit more intense than envy, but it's also more personal. And I think that jealousy, in addition to the idea that you're, you have a feeling of discontent about someone else having something that you don't have, it's actually combined with a fear of losing what you already have. Um, so people tend to be jealous, for example, um, if they're in a relationship with somebody and they see somebody else getting on with their, with their, person, with their mate, and they can be jealous of those interactions. But they can be envious, or usually will be envious, when they see somebody going on that fantastic round-the-world holiday forever. Um, and, uh, you know, people used to be envious of people on cruise ships. I don't know that that's so much anymore. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it, there's a slight distinction between envy and jealousy. But ultimately, they both come down to the same thing. You're not happy with your life and you want somebody else's. There's a phrase that um, uh, I, I was curious about, you know, this whole idea of green with envy. Does anyone know where that comes from? Why do we describe envy as being green or jealousy, you know? Anyone know this? I, 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 had, I was actually, as I was going through this, I was like, what is green with envy? And, uh, uh, you know, it might be a political statement. Greens are envious. No. Um, what is it? It actually comes from, uh, mostly, it's been popularised by Shakespeare. And Shakespeare, um, as, as it turns out, called envy the green sickness in Anthony and Cleopatra. He also went on and called it the green monster um, in Othello and a couple of others. So Shakespeare was big on this. Um, the question, of course, why did he call that? Uh, why did he call it green? And the theory is that people who were living in envy or jealousy tended to isolate themselves so much they never went outside and then eventually their skin started looking green because they were just so unhealthy. That's the theory. So there you go. Green with envy. If you got nothing else out of the sermon, you might have something to it. So what is this issue about envy? What is it? Where does it actually come from and what is the root of it? I believe the root of it comes from the idea that we want something more. That deep down, we are all like Belle in Beauty and the Beast. Doesn't it? I, I, hang on, this is an age group thing. I probably should have had kids in here now for that. You know, does everyone know Belle in Beauty and the Beast? You know? what, what, what's her opening song? There's got to be something more than this provincial life. I'm not going to sing it, by the way. I don't have the voice for it. Um, and I don't want to scare you. Um, there's something more. Now, and, 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 and we wrestle with this, don't we? Every single one of us, I would put it to you, is in this room right now because we want something more. We're not, you know, we talk about godliness with contentment is great gain, but at the same time, we're not here because we think that this is all there is to life, right? We're here because we know that there is more to life. 
The Bible talks about in Ecclesiastes, as anyone who knows me, my favourite book in the Bible, the Cynics book, the Cynics handbook, um, it, it talks about the idea that God has placed eternity on men's hearts. God has placed eternity on our hearts. We have this desire, we know that this earth, this little ball of rock spinning away at 100,000 miles an hour in the void of nothingness, is not all there is to life. We have this aspiration, this dream, this vision of what it's going to be like one day to be with God forever. And we know that it's like the very best of this life magnified by 10,000, 100,000, a million, who knows? I mean, it's going to be a whole lot better. And that's the hope that we are here for. When we sing these songs as we worship, we're, we're, we're so often singing about something that's a hope, a vision, a dream of what it's going to be like one day. One of the greatest challenges of modern life is that our lives have become sort of relatively comfortable and it can be, and a lot of people, they think this is all there is. But for every single person who comes to God, at some point you think, I am so glad there is something more than this. And why is it you feel like that? Because we know that our lives are messed up. It's not just the world that's messed up. We are messed up. I am messed up. You are messed up. You know, we're not all, you know, we all have that nice facade, but we know that deep down there's got to be something better than this. This can't be all that it is. We make mistakes. We are so deeply flawed. Our lives have to be better than that. And you know what the Bible is talking about here? as we get into this whole thing of do not envy the success of the wicked, is it saying what happens on this earth is actually irrelevant. It doesn't really matter. Here's an interesting thought. I was having this thought the other day. I'm um, turning 54 years old this year, all right? 54 years old. 54 years is almost a quarter of the history of Australia. I've been alive for almost a quarter of the history of Australia as a country being called Australia, right? That's really interesting, you know? Um, some of you, it's a little bit more than that. Some of you, it's a little bit less. And yet for all of that quarter of the history of Australia, what's my life add up to? In terms of the, 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 the history of Australia, diddly over squat. Outside of this room right now, nobody even knows that I exist. And you know, you know, and it's, it's this very interesting tension in our lives, isn't it? The quest for significance, whilst we're just one of, I don't know, how many people are there in the world these days? Seven billion? Eight billion? I don't know, I've lost count. Count the legs, divide by two. Um, We've got this quest for something more. And the temptation can be to just give in and believe that this is all there is. In my opinion, the times that I start envying people for what they have, when I envy cars, houses, 
bank balances, popularity, or anything else, it's usually because I've lost hope for anything better than simply life on this earth. That's it. And all you can do, and in fact, you know what? Living materialistically, if you don't believe in God, makes perfect sense. If there's absolutely nothing on this earth except for, you know, you, you get, you, you're born, you, uh, you live, you die, you're gone, you might as well just have as much pleasure and fun as you can. You know, rack up the debt, <laughs> set, go for achievement. Um, even the monuments you build will disappear unless you're, you know, the Egyptians or the Romans. Eventually, somebody will knock them down because you'll become unfashionable. So you see, what it comes down to for us is, I actually think that there is a sense in which envy is actually a good thing if it's in the right direction. What these two passages had in common, the proverb and the psalm, was they said, do not let your heart envy sinners. It said in Proverbs. And then it says uh, uh, in, in the psalm, my feet had almost said, I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. I actually think that the Bible is telling us that it is okay to be discontent and to seek after something that is better. But you've got to seek after the right thing. We've got to seek after the thing that is actually eternal and from God rather than simply the material and what everybody else is chasing. And this is actually, I believe, the secret to dealing with it. In Matthew chapter 10, in verse 26, Jesus talks about this thing and the fear of God. And I want to get on to this fear of God. And if I could bring up that scripture, Max, Matthew chapter 10 in verse 26. It says, and, and, and uh, uh, Jesus is talking here. And this is just when Jesus is sending out the disciples to go and uh, uh, two by two, sending out the 12 or the 72, I can't remember which one. He's sending them out to go off and he's giving them a, a little bit of an inspirational sermon and a bit, of a, bit of a bit of a pat, so to speak. And Jesus' idea of inspiration is different to the modern idea of inspiration. And he says, so do not be afraid of them, all the people who are cynical about it, for there is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. Now, there's something fairly interesting, isn't it? Yeah, just actually, just stop there. There is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. How does that make you feel? Absolutely everything is going to be made known at some point, according to Jesus. That's pretty intense. Now, I'm, I'm in two minds about it. On the one hand, I'm excited because there's a whole lot of questions I've got about life and I want answers. And on the other hand, I'm a little bit like, oh, hang on a second, there's a few things I'd like to keep concealed, thank you very much, and maybe hit the eraser button over. Anyone know about those? So there's a, I'm in two minds. But on the whole, I think it's a good thing. I think that it'll be better to have the answers and I'll just have to suck up the embarrassment. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roots. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both body and soul in hell. 
Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. And even the very hairs on your head are all numbered, even if they're decreasing. So don't be afraid, you are worth more than many sparrows. A very interesting comment from Jesus, isn't it? Because you see, the, the solution here is talking about the fear of God. We're talking, you know, as a, a, in dealing with envy. But what Jesus puts out here, and I find Jesus so incredibly frustrating at times. Um, on the one hand, he sits there and says, don't be afraid of those guys. Don't be afraid of the people who can kill you. And don't be afraid of the embarrassment. Don't be afraid of the mockery, he says to these guys as he sends them out. He says, I just want you to share your faith. I want you to tell them about me. Okay, sounds great. Don't worry if they put you to death. That's okay. And if you're afraid of that, reassure yourself by thinking about God. Who, You know, be afraid of him because he can send you... Oh, great, thanks, Jesus. And if he just it there, it would have been very uninspiring, right? But then he goes on and he says, but actually don't be afraid because God loves you. Because God keeps track of the... the uh, he, he, he who sort of looks after the sparrows and you're more precious than the sparrows, um, he actually keeps count of the hairs on your head. And that's why, that's why I believe baldness exists, by the way. You see, it's to reduce the amount of counting that God has to do. Yeah, sorry, that was terrible. <laughs> anyway. What Jesus is talking about here, I think is something that we deeply need to understand. It's about a focus, a focus for our lives. I just spent um, a week up visiting um, relatives up in Port Macquarie. And um, I drove up there, I stopped off at a friend's house and I drove, drove, drove up there and then I drove back. And it was kind of an interesting drive. You know what it's like driving 2,600 kilometres in just over a week? It's actually sometimes terrifying. Sometimes it's exhilarating. There's nothing quite more exhilarating than when you're driving along a pothole New South Wales road and you have to overtake a truck because this truck is moving at about 30 k's an hour but the spray means you can't see the road ahead of you and hit the gas and hope. Uh, anyway, but I knew what fear was then. <laughs> you know, your heart starts beating faster. You go, well, I really hope that I've actually got this right I don't particularly want to die in the middle of a pothole road in New South Wales, but there was no one there, and it was good. I'm here. But what he's talking about here is he's talking about focus. What are we focused on? Are we focused on the praise of people, or are we focused on the praise of God? I believe... This is actually what motivates what I'm going to say, the bad envy the Proverbs and Psalm talks about versus the good hope and the good discontentment that God wants us to have. It's all about the focus of what do we want. And a lot of what it comes down to is it all comes down to relationships. Why do people aspire to have bigger houses? Why do we actually drive flashier cars? Very often... It's not just because you like the thing, it's because you want people to say, isn't that impressive? I want one like that. And there's something inside us that sits there and says, I want people to envy me. Envy me, people. Hey, I'm good. 
You could sure envy me. Don't want to admit it, but we do. I mean, um, I'd argue, just at the risk of going political for a moment, that's what makes some political figures such a caricature. They're almost like a magnification of everything that's inside us at the worst. You know, hey, look at me. I'm it. I'm the solution to everything. You know who I'm talking about. What I believe Jesus is talking to us about, though, is a better way. He says, focus on the things that really matter. Focus on the things that are eternal. Focus on the praise of God. In John chapter 12, and I think we've got that coming up, it says, I'll get the, the, I actually don't have the passage in front of me, bear with me for one second. History. I know you've got the passage in front of you. In John chapter 12, it says about the Pharisees with Jesus, yet at the same time, many even among the leaders believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, they would not openly acknowledge their faith for fear they'd be put out of the synagogue, for they loved human praise more than the praise from God. So think about this for a second. There were a whole heap of people who saw what Jesus did and believed in him. They said, this is no ordinary human being. This really is the Son of God. They believed it. But they were afraid. They were afraid because they wanted the praise of men more than the praise from God. They wanted the comfy seat in the synagogue, the popular place at the table, rather than saying, I'd rather be an outcast and be with Jesus. And this is what I think is the great challenge for me. You know, for us, how much do we even sacrifice by coming to church? Not that much. Now, church is becoming a little bit more unfashionable these days, isn't it? You know, you go to church, you know, you're really quite all right. But that's about as bad as it gets. But the reality is that what Jesus is calling us to is to actually have this as a core focus of our life. What gives my life meaning? The answer is actually it's my relationship with Jesus. You know, last night after driving a couple of thousand and a half kilometres, I came home and I had these visions of just having a, you know, coming home and everything would be fantastic. You know, I... Jess is in the room, is she? Um, you know the first thing that happened after we, I got home? Jess and I had a Barney. It was my fault, of course, by the way. Was, I, I can blame my emotionalism from driving a couple of thousand kilometres. Maybe I was frustrated at all the other drivers on the road because my driving is perfect. Um, it's not, by the way. Uh, but the very, it, it didn't live up to the expectations that I had of a homecoming after a bit of time away. Um, it ended up with a bit of a Barney. And, uh, you know, it was, it was quite discomforting. And I did what I do when we have a Barney, which is I say things that I shouldn't say, and then before I say something really, really bad, I go, I'm taking a walk. That's, Ro that's Rodney's solution, because I have a problem. I have a short circuit between my brain and my mouth. But <laughs> you know what I mean. 
yeah? And it goes, it's terrible. So what I do, I realise I'm going to stuff up big time here. I go for a walk. And when I go for a walk, I pray. And it's a very interesting thing. And the prayer is initially born out of frustration. And I'm fairly certain God looks at it sort of like a toddler screaming at a parent in a supermarket of like, get this thing out of my sight. But after a little while, as soon as you pray to God and you get your focus on God, the very first thing that comes up is like, this is my fault. (laughs) You know, I don't deserve anything. And I realised as I was praying, I was like, you know, I... I deserve nothing at all. What, what, what am I frustrated? What am I angry about? I live in the hope of God. Everything that I've got comes from God. And, and, it, and the solution that becomes so evident as you pray is you realise, well, I'm the one who's stuffed up here and if I'm going to have any hope for the future, I'm the one who needs to apologise. And so you go back, I did and apologise and thankfully Jess is graceful and accepted the apology and we went out and had a nice night and had a dinner and um, visited Declan who was working up the road. Um, Gate crashed his his work. It's good fun. But the thing that I I, I got out of this, it was kind of funny how, is just last night, was my focus which led me astray was all on me and what I wanted. It wasn't about how do I live before God. And I'd even been studying these scriptures while I was away, (laughs) you know, and these scriptures convey the very essence of what the solution is, and yet I found it so hard to actually do. And this brings me to what I believe the crux of dealing with envy dealing with this desire, this human desire for things, is all about. We need to keep our eyes on God, but just saying it isn't enough. You know what helps us to keep our eyes on God the most? Each other. It's gatherings like this right now that help all of us to do, keep our eyes on God. Why do we even bother turning up to church on Sunday? Is it so that we can have the opportunity to be mocked? Is it to learn a new song? Well, some of them are pretty good, I I have to say. You know? Yeah, they're great, but that's not the reason. You know why we really turn up? It's The Bible tells us it's to encourage one another towards love and good deeds. Why am I here today? Apart from the fact that I was told I had to preach, I'll tell you, I'm here because God has given every single one of us a role to play in each other's lives. And if we are to deal with our base desires like envy, with our focus on material things rather than the the good things that come in the future from God, we need to encourage one another to keep our focus. And that kind of encouragement can sometimes be somebody pointing out the truth that you don't want to hear. Sometimes it can be somebody praising you and saying what a great job you did in terms of whatever it may be. Sometimes it can be just a bit of meaningful guidance and a friendly hand on the shoulder from somebody who is wise and a few years ahead of you. Whatever it may be, it's that that I believe is the solution to dealing with envy. 
And you see what the psalmist wrote about um, was all about this idea that I live in the hope of God. Well, if you're going to keep on living in the hope of God, I believe we need to keep on strengthening each other. And so my, the, the essence of the, the message today, if I bring it full circle, is simply this. You are the solution. You have the keys. You have the focus. And if we do that more and more, we can help more people to find that focus. Let's pray. Lord God, life is really difficult sometimes. We, we struggle in so many ways. So many things that we know aren't right go through our hearts and our minds. And envy is one of the biggest ones. But Lord, help us to be discontent in the right kind of way. Please, Lord, help us to, to strive for what is right, to strive for what is eternal, to strive for what is perfect which is you, to be with you in heaven. And help us to encourage one another on that path. Lord, please don't let us, keep us away from the distractions, from the desires, from the material. And Lord, help us to see those things as just simply being um, sometimes essentials, sometimes fun, sometimes things to enjoy while we're on the path towards being with you. Help us as we go into this time of fellowship, Father, to be uh, uh, ready to encourage, ready to support, and ready to inspire one another towards love and good deeds. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Thank you.